Today is June 6, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Happy Pride and Happy Indigenous Awareness Month in Canada. Oki Nagana Go Mekoche Chestokom Aki or Dekots Nagotine Siku. My name is Red Thunderwoman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Sitka, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bearspawn Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. It's Pride Month and it's important to understand the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on this land by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honouring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage people to introduce themselves with acknowledgement of their ancestors, story of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, impose economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties and lies taught in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. <laughs> my Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe. In Treaty 11, my people wore rabbit skins, so it's been referred to the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous people's inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous uh, 2S LGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration and denial of justice, denial of healthcare services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to continue to do, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I cannot say have a great pride in all of the other holidays knowing my community is dying from current drug policies and imposed Christian-based drugs 
uh, policies, abstinence programming, private healthcare, and systems built on injustice, racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs that continue genocide on Indigenous. Today, uh, Frank Young of Red Earth Cremation in so-called Saskatchewan is still missing with no Amber Alert. I think of so many people today and hope we honor their lives. And I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen and see your role in reconciliation. I honor the Blackfoot and the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road, my red road journey. Uh, Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologi uh, apologies to the Blackfoot and Elder uh, Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I share my, my journey as I walk the Red Road. I've been accused of not being kind while surviving genocide, yet I've given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on social media for years, as of so many others. At this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Giving a review on whatever medium you're listening from helps. And I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Today is a super exciting day because I have Dr. Linda Many Guns here with me. Uh, doctor, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Oh, certainly. Uh, my name is Linda Meniguns, Nechanikunatuyekwishishkumaki. Uh, that is my uh, name that was given to me by my uncle Clifford, and it is uh, two two names put together, and one is from my great 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 uh, big tobacco, and my great great grandfather, um, many many guns, and uh, the the name means Holy Spring Woman, and it uh, refers to the Bamp Springs and the healing powers that my ancestors had from those waters. So, yeah, so my culture is very important to me, and it shapes the way I work and think in all ways. And uh, the most incredible part about our, our culture is that it's based on kindness, respect, mm -hmm. honesty, and those very, very basic premises, no matter the rigorous attempts by this government to erase them, have maintained and kept our culture together through all, you know, this over 150 years of extreme violence that was perpetuated against my ancestors, Everybody that's Indigenous, our ancestors, almost globally, you can say, this has been an onslaught uh, against our cultures. And, you know, uh, very specifically, I mean, um, I think uh, McDonald stated it, and their, their tactics were to take the Indian out of the child. Well, the Indian is love, caring, sharing, respect, 
truth and honesty and the violence that they promoted to actually beat that out of you know our ancestors has not worked violence never actually ends up with a successful outcome and our ancestors knew that and our humility our respect and honesty is our strongest uh, asset in our culture and will always remain that way so i work at mount royal university i'm the associate vice president of indigenization and decolonization and i've been here for about a year and during that year I have come to the conclusion that it's quite a strange day today when the colonizer is asking the colonized to decolonize them. I find it quite interesting, actually, a position to be in. And they don't understand what decolonization is. They do not know that their minds are colonized. They do not know the system that they're in actually uh, reinforces the colonial thinking, the notions of superiority, the notions of the foundational uh, definition of racism is a notion of superiority. Well, you can probably ask any Canadian that you see if they think that their culture is more superior than ours. And what do you think the answer will be? Because that um, answer is pretty consistent. I've, I've asked people and they just, of course it is, you know? And because it is so persistent, it's a measure of how difficult this task is going to be mm. in the future. Um, people don't understand that what they know about us has been contrived by the government. And they removed all of our history, all the wonderful things that we did to save them. And all of the truths, you know, of, you know, we are, we were the slave labor until they got enough minorities in. We were the, we were the loggers. We were the harvesters. We were the ones that picked all the fruit and, you know, worked down on the sugar beets here in Southern Alberta. All of that has been removed from history. Yeah. And as a result of that, and without putting the history in the curriculum, no Canadian would ever contradict what the government was saying about us. Mm -hmm. So it was a very, very deceptive uh, process that was put in place. But what's really damning is the very fact that all Canadians have been involved in this. It is not just the Department of Indian Affairs. Yeah. Every single professional in Canada, right from 1867, has, has hands-on uh, responsibility for the atrocities and still do. I mean, these atrocities yeah. are still happening. I mean, you've still got social services scooping kids and taking them out of homes and putting them into more expensive foster homes instead of helping the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the very fact that there's different legislation for Aboriginal people that pays less, that uh, causes a great deal of strife, tells you that this is systemically imposed poverty yes. that has been contrived by 
many, many agencies and services. Uh, we, ha we have a regular healthcare system, and then we have the indigenous one. We have regular social services, and then we have the indigenous one. You have treatment of regular uh, non-Aboriginal people, and then you have the Aboriginal. I mean, this has embedded racism within all parts of Canadian society for many, many years. And our people have become quite institutionalized as a result of it. Yeah. And that inst it's institutionalization is very much the, the result of the, uh, the sedentary lifestyle that was forced on Aboriginal people as they were removed from society. And you have to remember, we never got the vote even until 1962. 1963 was the first election year that we would actually get an opportunity to vote. So this Canada, as we know it, was built with no input and no words, no opportunity to even take part yeah. in the development of Canada. And as soon as we got that vote, let me tell you, we were charging Canada in the court systems. And guess what? We don't have filing cabinets with all that stuff. It's all in our heads. And our little people that were ostracized and, and put into these sedentary lifestyles, what they did was they incubated our culture. Mm. The people who couldn't you know, go off the reserve without a ticket, they sat there and they told their stories to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And now those stories are winning our court cases. Mm -hmm. So no matter how rotten they are to us, it always backfires. Yeah. Why? Because our people have humility, kindness, respect, and honesty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, really appreciate you encapsulating that because, you know, as you heard, this is what I talk about on my podcast. And I think that um, we have been conditioned to not speak out. And I see it. I see it in our in our people. I think you um, describing it as being institutionalized is a perfect way to really envelop like how we've been forced to try to assimilate. When inherently we know it's wrong. Inherently, you know, it it um, it, it it hurts our soul. It hurts our spirit. But we um, obviously have to survive, and it becomes a survival mechanism in order to. Uh, continue here being here and and that's that's the irony is that historically they tried to kill us um right now they're still trying to kill us but we are still here and if we speak out and we actually say the words and i'm not sponsored by government grants so i can just be honest as opposed to um you know i think that when you're a part of those affiliations that like that's colonization and i try to tell people like as soon as you accept a colonized grant um you're you are expected to do xyz like that's what the grant's for is that you do x y and z but the other part is this is that in order to even get those grants you have to be you know a registered this a registered that a registered registered and registration in itself is colonization so you know i i've been existing i've been you know running free book clubs i've been running podcasts i've been doing this work and by non-indigenous standards would be considered quite successful but because i'm indigenous 
you know, I don't qualify for any of these grants. I don't qualify for any um, monies, but I also don't qualify for all of their awards either because they don't see me as giving them free education. They don't see me as a person trying to help them. So I don't even qualify for any of their um, awards and such unless you do the performative um, actions that they, they want you to do. Uh, so I just really appreciate you kind of explaining uh, everything you just said from your point of view because I think other people need to hear it. I can say it same sentence 20, 20 times, but I know it matters more when it comes from a different voice. So I appreciate you encapsulating that in that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yes, yeah. Well, I think we have to say it over and over and over again for many, many years yet before people start to get it and Agreed. whatnot. So in order to do that, that's my work here at Mount Royal University. And basically what we're doing is uh, working very hard to start to make those systemic changes, listen to our people and hear them. Because when we listen to, like when I just went through the focus groups for tenure and promotion, I could hear very clearly because I know it, right? We can hear what's being said, but they, I don't know, it's like this, time work or something they can't get it for some reason so yeah. it's really important that we get as many people as possible through our through the educational systems so that they can get those pieces of paper and get into positions where they have to be heard and listened to uh, because that's our 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 way of making change and stuff like that and, you know, you have to remember that this education system is not the one that we negotiated in our treaties. Uh, we wanted schools on the reserves, but I am sure that in the minds of the chiefs that were, you know, negotiating for those terms and whatnot, their minds were, we will teach from our cultural perspective and we'll add those pieces that are needed in order to you know, operate outside of the reserve. They had no idea that the K to 12 model with no input or their own history in it would be forced on the people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the education did not include universities either. And the, the type of education, they would have envisioned their own universities that are based on culture. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that's the difficult part for our, our students when they come in. Well, I went through it too, because I've got four degrees. And uh, in doing so, you get really pulled when, you're, when these theories and whatnot are happening. You can see them, but you feel like it's pulling apart your, your way of understanding the world. But we're gifted at being able to walk in many worlds, whereas the Europeans have, don't have that gift. And so if anybody is going to be able to have a, almost like a dual bifurcated mind, um, it is us because we lived in multiple worlds as our holistic worldview uh, implies. 
with the plants and the animals and the birds. We understood and we lived with everybody compatibly. And so now we have to figure out a way to live with this entity that's very, very different from us. Very aggressive, very, um, uh, well, racist. <laughs> I mean, but you know it, it is true like when you think about uh that uh era of superiority and i seen it obviously this uh weekend was the jubilee uh the 70th of the queen and you know just the way they treat even their own uh megan markle and such like the 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 commentators in britain were so condescending about her and about everybody and and they just elevate this woman as if she is helpful and you know, in, in the 70 years of her reign, look what has happened to our people. And she's supposed to be the person that we made treaty with, like her family. So it, it, it's just, it's so insulting. And then the average Canadian still believes that they are superior to us. And, and when I talk about white supremacy, that's what I'm talking about. But they think it, that means pointy hats and burning crosses, which is like that, that doesn't even make sense. It's their constant continuation of assumption that they um, are better than us. And yet they've literally ruined the world. So now we have climate change and our ways that which obviously maintain this earth for thousands of years are still being disregarded. And now they have all these climate change organizations and all, what do they do? They exclude indigenous voices. And if they would just implement UNDRIP, we could actually solve climate change as well. And, and it's mm -hmm. just, it just drives me mental that <laughs> the average Canadian can't see this. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Linda, I wanted to ask you, um, you do not capitalize your name intentionally. I was wondering if you would happily um, tell us this journey, what that's been like for you, because I've seen it in the media and just thought, holy, imagine an indigenous woman standing up for herself in the way she has and how many institutions just have such a problem with that yes well um bell hooks was a black lady and she was the first person to actually take the capital letters off of the oppressors titles right and that was a simple statement. And then E.E. Um, e. Cummings was the next one. And then uh, Kilchowski actually also went that, that, that road. In order, uh, because my office is the Office of Indigenization and Decolonization, and because the people that started to use this as a, as a, as a kind of a a, a literal <laughs> a way to, to make their point. Um, and because they're black and from the other minority groups that have also suffered, same as us, I wanted to uh, join that in order to show support for the issues and uh, um, the world as it stands and to just bring attention to that. So that's why that was the rationale behind it was just to show solidarity with other groups of, of oppressed. And this got picked up 
I mean, I use it out of my office. I just use lowercase in my office. I don't require anybody else to do that. It's just uh, making a point. Well, none of those guys got attacked. And the media got hold of this. And holy old crow, I was being interviewed all over the place. It just, it just went wild, like wildfire. And then we heard that it got picked up by Fox News. As soon as that happened, I think that that was on the late Thursday night news. From then on, right through the weekend, I was hacked in my computer at home and the university here received thousands and thousands and thousands. And every single website that had anything, my name on their website, they all got attacked. And some of them had to take all that stuff down in order to stop it. So, and the, they, these were very serious death threats. They were horrid. Uh, they were, I, I was kind of in shock because I, I didn't know what was happening, actually. It was stunning, stunning. I remember when I got to work here, everybody was running down to my office from the president's offices and other areas and running in, are you okay? Are you okay? They were freaked out. So then they frosted all my windows outside so nobody could see in, took the title of the, of the office off the door, put buzzers you know, under desks and stuff like that for safety and, and whatnot. So, so then the interviewing kept on going and I ended up, it was being picked up now by New York and, and uh, in the States, Aboriginal, by Aboriginal radio stations. And what was absolutely remarkable, remarkable in talking to them was that they've been using lowercase for a long time. So it was like, it was just a series of very, very unexpected, unusual. Um, it just, it was, it, we got pulled along by the momentum of mm -hmm. the whole incident. And it was quite overwhelming. It's calmed down now. I don't, we don't get anything. I have a filter now. The university put a filter on my email and I guess there's about 300 nasty words that were in those emails. And if any email comes with any one of those, it gets shifted over to the police file. They haven't been able to, they haven't been able to trace anything. I'm not stuff. surprised though. The police, they don't take these things seriously. Sure no, you know, weekend, and I mean, was, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And I mean, just, just recently, I just had uh, sand put into my gas tank. And when I was down at Lethbridge, I mm -hmm. constantly had my tires flattened by people. So yes, it is around. And, and I think once you become more visible, yeah. you become uh, more vulnerable to being attacked by these characters that uh, don't seem to know any limits and feel quite privileged and protected to be able to do these things uh, to us. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's not just me. I mean, you know how hard it is for our people to get rent or to even rent a place or, you know, do anything that they do. Uh, I mean, it is, it's rampant throughout history. Mm -hmm. So when we do this work, it's, you know, it, 
helping students to understand what decolonization is. You can't start to uh, reconcile until you decolonize. Yeah. You yeah. can't. And until they start to see the rest of the world as equal to them, then you won't be, you will have a starting point. Agreed. Their language, the way they talk about anyone other than themselves is always with derogatory terms like savage or um, uncivilized, you know, yes. and, and ironically, their so-called being civilized is literally genocide. And I, I, I think, well, who's more uncivilized here, folks? Um, but you can't get that through, um, you know, white supremacy. It's incredible. Um, I, I'm really sad to hear that you were getting like sand in your gas and, and that your tires were being flattened. But what I was told, uh, so I moved to Lethbridge for five minutes. And when I was uh, told people, they were really scared for me. And they were scared because I was native there. And um, I've, I was told that all of the cops' kids are like their own white supremacy gang and that they regularly beat up our homeless population. Um, today, like today, there is a person who has a GoFundMe who I don't even think he's native, but he cares about uh, safe consumption sites. So he's being targeted by the police, by the uh, conservative uh, counselors and such that were all elected. And now he is in like lawsuits as a result of trying to actually save indigenous lives and, and folks who are in active addiction. And um, you know, that that's how dirty it is down there. Like that's how awful it is, their white supremacy. And then again, they have the audacity to call us and you know, savages are uncivilized and they are literally killing people and upholding that institution and stopping people from doing good work, which is just like mind blowing to me. Like I can't even wrap my brain around how people actually think they are superior when they treat people like second-class citizens, dogs. I don't know how to even encapsulate it. And, uh, and ironically, they get to have their power and privilege based off the fact they've stolen the land and had their grandparents and ancestors do all these awful, um, policies of the Indian Act, reservations, Indian residential schools, 60 scoop, all of these things that are continuing today. And they have the audacity to think that they're superior. But my, my worry obviously is always your, your safety. To me, you're one of our strongest leaders um, locally. And like, this is your land. This, we're on your land and you are being mistreated in this way. Like this is the, the gendered violence that I talk about daily, you are experiencing it. And, mm -hmm. and ironically, people don't even see it that way. So yeah, I don't expect the police to ever get a lead because they are incapable of seeing you as equal enough as, I don't know, Ralph Klein, Rachel Notley, anybody else that we would give all that time and resources to. And speaking of which, the most offensive thing I heard the other day that you and I were in the same meeting of was when they said that exactly. And the missing persons unit doing a presentation and said the words to all of these families in the room we have unlimited resources and i have never heard the word no and i thought you just booted every person in the audience in the face by seeing those words but that was my take what was your take of that weekend or that that uh, day seminar well, it was a very important seminar to start with. Mm -hmm. uh, that work has to be done uh, 
Um, but I think the whole day it, uh, made it very evident how different our cultures are. Uh, bringing PowerPoints to a room full of people who have lost and murdered and missing family members and telling them, like you say, that they have lots of resources and this and that and, and whatnot shows you the difference between our, our trusting or the need for trust, the need for uh, um, action, I guess, if you want. And yet the police and the homicide unit brought their list of criteria for how they do things. Well, it didn't address anything about what was brought up or raised in that meeting. They were ignored pretty well. It's like, this is what we do. Yeah, but, but, you know, we know about you, but uh, this is how we do it. And it just was such a mismatch. And I, it's typical of pretty well every part of Canadian society as we start to try to get to this, what I call middle ground, in order to start to build uh, fair systems where we have a voice. And uh, it's, we have a long ways to go. We have just started. Society has been very close to us, but the fact of the matter is Canadian society realizes that it can no longer continue its racist attitude. It can't afford it anymore. Mm -hmm. We know that we have close to 600,000 youth that are coming through the education system and they need to have jobs and they need to be part of society because Canada can't afford to have them all on welfare or living on the streets. So those realities and the numbers are really what's the, what I believe is the underlying motivation for this change. But I'll take that. I could care less where the motivation is coming, as long as the ears open up and people start to realize that uh, there's a whole side of Canada that's been hidden and it's a dark side and it needs to be told. I had a wonderful conversation with a friend, um, a new friend. She was um, a, a second generation Chinese. And she was the one who told me that the Chinese Exclusion Act um, was actually signed on July 1st. So when Canada Day became a thing, um, the Chinese community actually had boycotted uh, Canada Day because it was the anniversary of the Chinese Exclusion Act. And, you know, I had to really dig hard in order to find that. It wasn't that easy to find that date. Um, it's oh, easy yeah. to talk about the uh, acts like the Exclusion Act or the Head, Head Tax Act. But it wasn't easy to find the date. And I thought, how ironic. <laughs> no, that's how clever they are. And all through time, even over in Europe, they put their historic days of the colonizer over top of previously important dates for the con conquered people. Just the same as they all of our holy areas have been turned into parks. You know, uh, I mean, it just, there's all kinds of symptoms or where they rename. It's just like the Germans, whenever they take over a village, mm. the first thing that they do is remove all the street names and they'd rename them with German names and all of the buildings and everything to claim it, right? And that's what uh, happened here in Canada. They figured it was theirs for the taking. Yeah. 
and renamed our mountains, everything, uh, lakes, yes. everything. Yeah. And, and actually that's part of our reclamation work is trying to, um, you know, find the appropriate name. Like even when I talk about Calgary, Calgary, obviously an imposed English name, Mokinstis um, being Blackfoot, and then I'm trying to learn my language. So it's Quincho Tine Indhe. And yes. that's not a Treaty 7 language. Um, so Sutina Dene and uh, Satu Dene, obviously different Dene, right? So we, we have different uh, ways to say it. Um, so, but interestingly enough, like, like that's, that's the whole point of us trying to reclaim who we are and what we do. But it's that lens when you were talking about earlier that we can adapt to different world thinking. It's because we've had so many nations that we've always had treaties with, that we've always had to figure out how yes. to coexist with. And then contrary to what Canada has said, we've actually always had outside visitors too. And we've welcomed them into our camps and welcomed them into our nations with treaty, which is not, you know, and it, interestingly enough, like Canada still doesn't understand what treaty actually is. And no. we do a land acknowledgement teaching. It's really Indigenous 101. And, and the concept is to teach them like to us, you know, when we raise our pipes, when we have tobacco, when we share, like that's, that's a spiritual covenant. And they still don't understand that, right? No. No, <laughs> they can't see it. They, yeah. they're so, um, they, they're so rigid in their view of what is, uh, they don't understand what ceremony is to start with, you know, or how that connects and then they call it religion and it's not it's it's the way we did things there were some blackfoot uh, warriors that had to go pick up guns uh, out of winnipeg that they had ordered and when they got there the guns were different and so they had to learn how to clean and load in a flintlock and they in order to save the knowledge they turned it into a ceremony and so today, when uh, men want to join the policing society, they have to learn that ceremony. That knowledge has been locked into the ceremony. Mm -hmm. We captured knowledge in many different ways. Right. You know, so. I, I was trying to explain that to my dad. He wasn't open to it this weekend. Um, I'm talking about brave dog societies and the way justice was carried out prior and he still has a lot of misconceptions exactly the same as the police do here yeah. we had social workers we had medical people we had health we had specialists in all kinds of fields human beings have not been very creative over all the hundreds of years the thousands that we've been around we still have the exact same problems we have problems with neighbors family friends sickness you know, accidents, injuries, you've got the people that are, you know, the ladder climbers and the go-getters, you got the people that just want to be in dance societies. It's no different. There's nothing about humanity that's different. We're yeah. all the same. Right. And uh, I, try, I try to tell folks that just existing at this point is, is already, you know, a, a slap to the face to the system. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I have a hard stop at nine, I'm, unfortunately. Okay, that sounds good. I want to say thank you so much for being on my show and, and thank you for all your time. I hope that you come back to talk about anything, any upcoming projects that you want to. Thank you, Linda, oh, sure. for all your time. Yeah, I'd love to do that. So thank you for having me, too. Wonderful. All right, until, until next time. All right, great. Thank you.
Thanks, Linda. Oh, what a wonderful person to hear from. I'm so grateful that she was able to come on our show. She is one of those people that I look up to and I know um, many, many folks in our area do. So I hope that folks um, Google uh, Linda Many Guns because she has so many great teachings that are, are now in all sorts of uh, news articles and uh, YouTube videos, etc. And obviously one of our leaders that we all aspire to, to want to replicate when it comes to post-secondary education. Um, so huge thank you to Dr. Linda Many Guns. Uh, for folks who are just tuning in, we have an Indigenous book club. So you might have heard me talk about it. The next one is June 13th, and it's Indian in the Cabinet by Jody Wilson-Raybould. I just seen her at uh, Sutina had an event last week, and it was a wonderful event. Um, she spoke, uh, Marie Sinclair spoke, we want, got some wonderful teachings from the uh, the Dene. So Sutina are my my cousins, and they were the ones who put on this show, uh, this show, this conference. They were the ones who uh, brought together like John Howard Society. I was I was sitting with a lot of folks from there. A lot of the different agencies to basically do an Indigenous 101. They brought Holly Forche down from uh, Fort McKay, Fort Mackay, sorry, and. Um, I got to see Stephanie Harp. She's uh, one of our leading uh, voices on MMIW now, but also uh, she likes to say MMIEP, which is Missing or Murdered Indigenous Exploited Persons, which I think is a really good way to um, capture the bigger issue as well. Uh, so I'm just so much love to them. But uh, Stephanie Harp, she's also a rock star. She's also uh, does the uh, Stephanie Harp experience. So that stands for she. Uh, she's going to be playing in, up, up in Edmonton, down south, now that artists are start, starting to get out there. So highly recommend going to see her as well. Some of her songs are really dark, but some of them are really light. And I think what we need to do is enjoy life a little more. So uh, definitely a plug there. Uh, anyway, so because Jody was at this event and I got to see her, she's still going to try to squeeze out some time to come to our book club. And if she does, uh, then I've technically had every um, author that can be a part of it um, since we've transitioned to just native Calgary and away from the Calgary Public Library. Now we'll have every artist or every author on the show. So that's going to be incredible. So you can come join us if you want to. If you can't join us and you want to submit some some questions, don't hesitate. And uh, the next one after that in July will be chapters three and four of the National Inquiry. Um, and I, I'm just going to say this, folks, I can't believe what has happened with this um, uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp thing. I have no respect for Johnny Depp. He has power, privilege, money, PR, none. I have no respect for that whatsoever. I can't believe what happened. I can't believe I actually have not just non-Indigenous, but Indigenous like in support of Johnny Depp. I'm sorry, folks. I grew up with 21 Jump Street. I love Johnny Depp. All of these movies that my daughter loves of like Alice in Wonderland with him, like it, it hurts our soul that this has all come out and it frankly I wouldn't have known he was such a jerk if, if he wouldn't have sued her so anyway if you don't if you are a, a supporter of Johnny Depp you may not realize it but you have unconscious bias you you do 
I, I love him to pieces or loved him to pieces, but there is an unconscious bias for siding with a man, power, privilege, like celebrity. I, I don't have any time respect for this. So if you have the audacity to be commenting on my social media about this, you better fucking show up to these national inquiry um, chapter readings because I like I, I can't even start with your unconscious bias like seriously I, I just do not want to hear a positive thing about Johnny Depp and if you are so excited to put down another woman yeah you're not getting the unconscious bias thing I'm not going to even entertain it if you don't show up to these um, national inquiry uh, book clubs I just have no time or patience for you talking about Johnny Depp and Amanda Heard so anyway July 11th, chapter three and four, August 8th, Unreconciled by Jesse, uh, September 20th, 12th, sorry, September 12th is the National Inquiry, chapters five and six, and then Res Rules by Clarence Louie. <laughs> he, he so point blank in October 10th, that's going to be, uh, you know, no rules on safe space because he don't care. Um, November 14th, National Inquiry, 7 and 8, and uh, December 12th is Standoff by Bruce McIver. And I, again, I really recommend if you are uh, non-Indigenous and you want to do good, then you better consider joining some sort of reconciliation committee. And the fact is, every single church should have one. And if they don't, then your church is full of crap and I don't know why you're part of it. And two, you can actually start that in your church. If you are absolute, I have to love Christianity and believe in God, blah, blah, fine. But start a reconciliation committee then, if you're, if there isn't one existing. And if, if they fight you on that, they're racist. I'm not gonna pull a punch on that. So do the work folks. So if you're locally here in Calgary, we have a reconciliation action group. There are actually other ones. So if you're committed to being a white supremacist jackass, there's many um, so-called reconciliation committees here in Calgary that I won't name yet because I'm hoping that they can change their uh, white supremacy stance, especially after listening to Dr. M uh, Linda Many Guns. Uh, this, I'm really proud of this podcast. We've given solutions, cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Uh, we have even tried to do better for migrant workers, et cetera, et cetera. I have the closed captioning now for folks who uh, prefer to read. Anyway, thank you to Cheryl Ward, Alicia Branch, uh, Alicia Fridkin, of heretohelp.bc.ca about what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Literally, folks, you can Google these things and find it. Uh, their work, those are uh, cultural action tools. I've said hundreds of times on my podcast, so please support work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight them and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence indigenous and marginalized folks experienced by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. You can go to racialequitytools.org um, and read what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. There's so many resource files available on so many different issues of racial equity. 
So please consider utilizing that. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So AFSC.org. They have do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. This helps when you see somebody being harassed. That is clearly, it's a oppression dynamic, uh, racism. <laughs> so just gonna give a shout out to our chief, Mark Newfeld, for attacking Taylor McNally on Twitter to this weekend when literally he has all the power um, and she doesn't. Like, she, in fact, she's being sued by the Calgary police. Um, I wanna say Kevin Starlight. Um, I'm really sad and disappointed people who claim to be doing anti-racism work can't see this, can't see the structure, the dynamic. So anyway, I hope some of those resources help you understand. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions on public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words, honor the treaties. Listen to politicians in their platforms and policies. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting a violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. I'm just gonna give a shout out to all of those so-called lefties out in Ontario. Um, yeah, I'd love to understand why it is you hate the NDP so much, why you hate the Green Party so much, why you hate the, like, I know why y'all hate the Liberal Party. I have many reasons as well, but, and I hear that the Liberal Party out in Ontario was awful. But, I mean, ultimately, the lack of voters caused Doug Ford to win. I think it was like 18% of the population voted for Doug Ford again. And now as a result, he's has the majority. So like whoever chose not to vote, um, there's you, you've just hurt all the people I just said. And I know half of my um, viewers are listening from Ontario. So, you know, I, I understand that you get upset. I do. I, I just don't like, is it that you were just working two jobs? Like, what was it that caused you not to vote? Because by not voting, you've just hurt now everyone I just listed. Um, anyway, all of your uh, politicians should know and implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the World Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Um, that anniversary was just now, and we heard a whole lot of words from a whole lot of people, but um, no budget items, and I want to see change. Um, real time, while Linda and I were at this meeting with the police, you know, I've been texting an Anuk's family about their daughter, and mysteriously, the Calgary police could not put two and two together, buried her, and now her family has to do a GoFundMe to try to get her back up to uh, their area. Like I, I'm talking about these things. I don't know why you're not. I don't know why you're all not tagging me so I can amplify you trying to speak out about these things. Like it's there. Anyway, denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. 
our people are extremely are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, education, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. They don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism. They literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the Abigail Garden. <laughs> so uh, there's a family that's really getting this going. You would not believe my shock and surprise yesterday when we did our body bottle drive. And uh, what did they have but a laminated land acknowledgement. So, you know, here was this, you know, community group of not even affiliated fully with the uh, community association. They had a land acknowledgement laminated. They're trying to do this work. They can do it, but like a lot of folks don't do it. And I don't know why I told them, I, I'm so happy to see this. And they were totally understanding. It, it was great. It was, it was like it was second nature to them. So that was, that was beautiful. And I'm telling you this because I, for the first time, felt safe telling my family to come join it in some capacity. And uh, that feels really good. And uh, actually, funny enough, one of the folks I graduated high school with in Sylvan Lake, she lives in my neighborhood and she was a part of the bottle drive too. So that we were small but mighty, but it was a lot of little pieces coming together that helped build my spirit in a good way. And if, you know, regular Joes can do it, <laughs> I don't know what is stopping our politicians. So it was really great. Uh, anyway, if you were to Google how uh, non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies, there's some great pieces out there now, highly recommended. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything I talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also uh, go on to hopeforwellness.ca. They have one of those little text boxes that you can text with. Uh, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Again, it is toll-free, 24-hour, seven crisis line. Uh, there's also, for non-Indigenous, a functioning 211 and uh, distress center lines in your areas, or you can call 833-456-4566. For 60 Scoops in Alberta, there's actually a website for you, uh, ssisa.ca. And if you are experiencing uh, or see racism here in Alberta, you can actually go to Act to End Racism or text at 587-507-3838. Following, uh, the following are uh, two LGBTQ plus crisis supports and they're available most areas across Canada. Um, they'll give you some options when you call websites you can visit videos that you can watch if you need to talk to someone or in crisis you can go to lifevoice.ca crisis supports lgbtq crisis supports there's a trans lifeline at 877-330-6366 the trevor project uh 866-844-7386 and again Happy Pride, you all matter the world to me. Uh, my own little one is not identifying as straight either, and I couldn't be happier. I will never understand how anyone rejects anyone 
opposite uh, prior to colonization. We used to hold the Two-Spirit in high revere, and I still feel that way. Even though I don't understand all of the teachings of every nation, that doesn't mean I don't understand the gravity of your role in our communities, but also because of you, you have the ability to decolonize Canada uh, in a different way with that perspective. So just know I honor you and happy pride. You deserve to enjoy life every single moment of the, of the day. Uh, violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This podcast is self-care. This is how I take my power back. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone policing, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, sure want to tell us theirs, and by people who know nothing about Indigenous people, colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigil, our rights. I and many others have shared info on microaggressions daily, so it is unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping. Folks that live off the status quo, and then some folks who are so in their trauma, they stop people from doing the good work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disability, LGBTQ2+, uh, QT, BIPOC, and others. I want to say Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny, my mom, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what her culture is through her Austrian family and roots, teaching me to be a proud Calgarian, and through her, I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. Thank you, Darcy, for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of my child, and support of my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. He's got to witness trauma in so many ways, and I I wish, I, I wish it wasn't like that, but he's been loving to me. To our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope that my family will be proud in the future of me trying to describe these present day issues in a way they can understand. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. My beautiful cousin, she came down to visit and she said, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thank you folks for listening. Really appreciate it.